Dear Sugar is supported by The universe has good news for the lost, lonely, and heartsick. Sugar is here, the both of us, speaking straight into your ears. I'm Cheryl Strayed. I'm Steve Almond. This is Dear Sugar Radio. Oh, dear son, won't you please share some little sweet days with me? Hi, Steve. Hi, Cheryl. Onward we march through August, our month of rebroadcasting episodes, along with new updates. Today, we are going to get an update. We're going to listen to an episode. A woman wrote to us, signed her name, totally confused. She was totally confused. And do you remember what that one was about? I do. It was, well, it was a real cliffhanger. So let's just listen. Dear Sugars, I'm a 62-year-old divorced woman and have been single for seven years. I was married for 30 years to a man who was basically a good guy. He was a good provider, responsible with our finances, and actively involved with our three sons. But the second half of our marriage was miserable for me because my husband was emotionally cold. He pursued many outdoor hobbies without me. He retired early and spent more and more time at a second house we bought at the beach. I was so lonely inside our marriage. I begged him to go to counseling with me, but he wouldn't, so I went alone. I tried to find activities we could do together, but he always turned me down. I'm an affectionate person, but he would never touch me or hold me unless he wanted to have sex. After our youngest son was away at college, I realized I'd had enough of our complete lack of connection, and I decided to divorce him. I waited so long to make the final move, because even though he showed no interest in strengthening our marriage, I knew he would be devastated if I left him. And he was. Except for seeing him at our youngest son's graduation four and a half years ago and the occasional text message greetings on birthdays or Christmas, my ex hasn't wanted any contact with me over these past seven years since we broke up. But something has shifted recently. Our oldest son is getting married soon, and in the spirit of that upcoming occasion, my ex-husband reached out to me several months ago and invited me to meet for coffee. He wanted to break the ice so it wouldn't be awkward at our son's wedding. We were both nervous, but it went well. I let him lead the conversation and had no preconceived expectations. We decided to meet again a month later, and that time was great. We laughed and reminisced. The week after that, he invited me to drive out of town together so we could visit my 93-year-old stepmother for the day. They'd always been very fond of each other. We had such a great time, I didn't want the day to end. During our time together, he apologized for several hurtful things he'd done over the years, and we both cried. We saw each other again and have talked on the phone, too, and each time he names the hurtful things he's done, and he asks me for forgiveness. He said he was sorry for not listening to me, for not going to my office parties, for not hugging me or holding my hand. He said he was sorry for shaming me when I'd gained weight. Everything changed for me as he named many, many cruel and insensitive wrongs he'd committed in our marriage. All my hurt and bitterness melted away. I've never experienced this kind of forgiveness. I have a new sense of peace and an understanding of grace. I feel a deep love for him again, 
and he says he has never stopped loving me. The problem is he's engaged to be married to a woman he'd worked with and has known for years. His fiance shares many of his outdoor hobbies. Our sons all love her, and they have made a new life together. She knows we've been meeting, but she doesn't know what we're feeling. He has only good things to say about her, but also says he never imagined we would have a chance to reunite. I have compassion for him because he's in a difficult situation. Sugars, we don't know what to do with these emotions. Two nights ago, we talked on the phone for an hour. I feel closer to him now than I did in the last few years of our marriage. He is so attentive now when we talk. If he were single, I would reconcile with him and want to try again. I've had a few relationships since our divorce, but no one I wanted to make a life with. I've made a new life for myself, moved to a new town, have new friends and hobbies. I'm healthy and financially stable, and I'm totally surprised by my feelings. I still love him, and I'd welcome the chance to start over. I can't stop thinking about him. He texts me every day to say hello and say that he's thinking of me. He doesn't know what to do with this turnaround either. There's no instruction manual to figure this out. What advice do you have for me? Signed, totally confused. Wow. I had a clear sense that there are so many beautiful aspects to this. Mm-hmm. I mean, to feel that sense of peace and understanding of grace, to have this husband who withheld his empathy for you and sympathy and just love for uh, so many years, to express real regret and real specific regret, to be able to let go of that bitterness and anger, beautiful. If he were single, reconcile with him, that's an exciting possibility. He's not single. Right. He's engaged. He's engaged. You know, I had a very clear sense here. Your ex has some thinking to do, and he has a decision to make. And that's before you do anything else other than, you know, continue to have a discourse with him. He's got to decide what he's going to do with his life. Mm -hmm. Uh, If he's in a situation where he is single again, well, then absolutely move forward and see whether there is an authentic sense of connectedness and, and it's possible to really remake a second marriage. You know, I think as we move through any long-term monogamous relationship, there are many marriages, you know, and you know that the first half of your marriage was fulfilling, that you liked your husband and esteemed him, and you know that you were miserable and lonely and poorly treated. And my feeling is, Feeling regret is, uh, it's beautiful that your husband can bring himself there, but that's not the same as deep self-reflection about why he was that person who treated you in that way. And, you know, an apology isn't the same as a, a deeper statement of understanding about why he, for years and years and years, he essentially forced you out of the marriage, but he made you be the person who was the decision maker because you begged him to get into counseling and explore all of this for years. And you stayed in the marriage, it sounds like, implicitly for the kid's sake and for the sake of stability and so forth. And, you know, he fundamentally was a bad actor in this first marriage by your own description. And not because he's a bad guy, but because he was a weak guy in the context of the marriage. And he's got to be a strong enough guy now that if he wants to recourt you, which is essentially what this is, he's courting you a second time, I feel strongly he needs to be disentangled from anybody else and truly available to you because he wasn't for the whole second half of your marriage. Mm -hmm. Does that sound too punitive? No, no. I I have to say when I first read this letter, totally confused, I was swooning at the romance of this because 
in some ways, like if we can't have the fairy tale where the couple gets married and they live happily ever after, well, this is like the second version of the fairy tale. Yeah. Like, okay, they, they got married, they were together 30 years, it didn't go well, but guess what? They find each other again, right. and it's incredibly sweet and romantic. And I'm really moved by your ex-husband's apologies. And I do think that clearly he's grown enormously as a person and as a partner. And that's super powerful whether you guys get together or not. Yep. But I think once I cut through that kind of fairy tale romance, I see that essentially what you are, totally confused, is a woman who is falling for a man who's in a relationship with another woman. Mm -hmm. And so the advice I have for you is, you know, we don't know whether or not this will work out. If you and your ex-husband decide to start dating again, you know, maybe what's happening is because of that apology and because of that time that you've spent reminiscing, you have a romantic friendship right now. Right. And that's a very alluring and exciting moment, but maybe it's just a moment. And I think that that you together and separately need to explore whether you want to move more deeply into this. Do you actually want to try to date him again? I would turn it around for the sake of boundaries, and I would say he's got a decision to make. Yeah, but— Before you even start entertaining the notion of getting involved with him again and rewriting the ketubah, you know, the contract. But I think that she's made that decision. I mean, that gives him all the power to decide what to do in their relationship. Obviously, she said, if he were single, I would date him. But she right, needs but to he's decide, decide. I will only date him if he is free to date. Right. You know, and I think that that's. But a I really... think it's dangerous for her to even allow yeah. her thinking and her selfhood, frankly, because she's rebuilt her life, new town, new hobby. She's not just withering on the vine. She's done a lot of yeah. di- difficult work to kind of reconstruct her independence and her selfhood. Even if she hasn't found a romantic partner, she's happy with where she's at. And this grace and sense of peace and letting go of this rage, I like you, was astonished. I wrote, wow, how infrequent. It is a kind of, a different kind of fairy tale where the Prince Charming comes along and then he turns out to be a bad guy. And then suddenly later in life, he's Prince Charming in the sense that he's finally paying attention to her. But it's not a fairy tale marriage until Prince Charming is no longer engaged to another woman and presents himself as a true courter for her heart. And then she gets to decide, is this worth trying again? And I think it's very dangerous, totally confused, to even entertain that he's in that world of possibility until he's completely disentangled. Because you've been party, you've been the victim of this guy's inattention. That's, to me, the absolute most important point here is that in spite of their long relationship and their deep intimacy and really Mm -hmm. decades-long union, they were married 30 years, they've been divorced seven, they were probably dating before. So, like, you know, she's known this guy about 40 years. This is a life, right? Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think that if he does become single and you do decide to date, I just want to say, remember, you are not leaping back into that marriage. Like, you might date him and actually find out, you know, a month into it, just like anyone on the planet who dates anyone else on the planet, that it wasn't working out or you really should be friends. Or, you know, so I think that it's important to think about not what lies ahead you know, the future isn't going to be defined by the past. Just because you were married in the past doesn't mean that you're going to get together and remarry again. Right. But it means that you're opening yourself up to exploring this old relationship in an entirely new light under new terms. Mm-hmm. And you can't do that really until and unless he's available. Yeah. You know, I actually know somebody 
Of course who, you who do. Who did this. Yes. She's the writer known as Mary Elizabeth Williams. Her friends call her Mary Beth, so right. don't be confused if we're, we're calling her Mary Beth. But she publishes under Mary Elizabeth Williams, and she's the author of a new fabulous memoir called A Series of Catastrophes and Miracles. And she wrote a really beautiful modern love essay in the New York Times about what happened in her marriage. All right, let's go shake her down for her wisdom. Hi. Mary Beth? Yes. Hi, this is Cheryl Strayed. How are you? Cheryl, I'm so happy to talk to you. <laughs> oh, I'm thrilled to talk to you as well. I have Steve Almond here with me. Hi, Mary Beth. Steve, I'm almost as excited to talk to you. <laughs> wow. All right. I'm glad there's any excitement at all. That's we're, fabulous. We're all very excited. We, we are a mutual fan club here among each other. And we have been discussing this letter from this woman who is divorced and perhaps falling in love again with her ex-husband. Have you read that letter? Oh, my God. I've read it and reread it and have thought so much about it since I read it the first time. Well, will you tell us before we discuss her situation? Uh-huh. Tell us your story. You wrote about a situation yeah. in Modern Love, the New York Times, that has some things in common with totally confused situation. How long were you married before you and your husband separated? Um, about 15 years. 15 years. Okay. We were in it for the long haul, yeah. Uh-huh. And had two young children. Yeah. And then for a variety of compelling reasons, we broke up. But because we had young children, we really had to be very intimately involved in each other's lives. And we were really very much on the same page about the fact that that was our top priority. Mm-hmm. And did you date other people? Uh <laughs> Let's. Why don't we say that we were um, we were unattached adults living in the big city? <laughs> right. <laughs> you don't want your children to hear the podcast, right? <laughs> Leave it at that. Yeah. Okay. And uh, yeah, so we were apart, but we were very committed to co-raising our children, and we were very involved in each other's lives in that way. You know, we actually rented an apartment in the same building so we could be close to our kids and close to each other, and and just really, you know, always. Even when the relationship between the two of us was not so great, uh, the relationship with the kids always came first. And so after some time, and I think after we both really got clarity on who we were and what we wanted and what was going on with our own stuff, we really started to have a very good friendship. Hmm. And we really started to like each other again. And I think part of that was liking what we had figured out being apart. And then he started flirting with me, and I liked it. And I have a very close friend who had been through a very similar situation, and I said to her, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to feel. I don't know what the right thing to do right now is how to proceed. And what did you do when you were in this situation? And she said, he said what I needed to hear. Mm. And I didn't know until he said it what that was. And then he and I went out on a date and he said, he said, you know, I used to think that when you were married, that that was it, that you didn't have to think about the relationship anymore. Um, Mm. (laughs) I remember just kind of like, yeah, that's such a thing that I can't imagine women saying. And and he said, you know, now I realize if you're in a relationship, you have to be in it every day Mm. and you have to try every day. And I thought, oh, that's, that's the thing I needed to hear. And then we, um, we started kind of moving back together towards towards each other again, um, and it was it was a long process falling apart, and it was I think a, a somewhat shorter, but still uh, it was a process getting back together. And uh, you know I think in both cases what it came down to was 
at least on my side, you know, whether you're initiating a breakup or whether you're initiating a relationship, when you get to that place in your heart, when you just feel like I'm okay and I'm prepared to be hurt, mm. I'm okay. And, and if, if this doesn't work out, I'm still glad I did this. I'm still glad I, I took a risk. And so when I read this woman's letter, I, I could see very much that she's, I think, wrestling with that. Right. One of the things that I'm really curious about is this idea that, you know, obviously you're with the same guy, but you've had two relationships with him. Yeah. And, you know, some things are clearly probably the same, but some things are different. Yes. Or, oh, yeah. or no. I mean, what, yeah. what's the difference between marriage part one and marriage part two for you? Well, um, it probably helped things that then I got cancer twice, in fact, um, because what happened was, you know, what I learned through getting back together with someone and then also having something, you know, really devastating come into our lives was I really could see that this was someone who was committing every day and mm -hmm. who was making a choice every day. Mm -hmm. That was the big thing for me. It was just feeling like, you know, I don't have to be doing this. And this isn't because I'm afraid of what else might be out there if I'm alone. Because, you know, totally confused, said this in her letter, you can be so lonely in a marriage. I think you can be lonelier in a marriage yep. in a way that is almost more profound than anything else yeah. um, because it isolates you so much. It's the thing you can't talk about with your friends. It's the thing you can't tell anybody else, that profound kind of deep, despairing loneliness. So you've changed and evolved, but you're still basically kind of the same people you were when you were first married. And I wonder if you have encountered some of the same dynamics or difficulties that you had the first time around and whether you manage them differently or have you become different people and those problems don't come up. I think it's a little bit of both. I mean, ultimately, I think we are kind of at our core, always, always very much the same personality types. And I think that's what draws us to certain people. And that's what also um, repels us from certain people. And, you know, he and I definitely have, have a, a sort of classic good cop, bad cop dynamic. And I'm the hothead and he's the, you know, mellow one. And that doesn't change. But I think what has changed is, I think we have more respect for the way that, that our differences can really work well together because we had time in our adult lives to see what it was like being out there without that other person. Hmm. And I know I'm a good person without him. I know that like we will both tell you that that breakup needed to happen. And I felt like I really, I think both of us really did bloom in many significant ways when we broke up. But then to take those kind of fundamental aspects of your character and come back into a relationship or just come into a relationship with someone and say, how can we use this to be a real team? You know, it's kind of classic, I don't know, Marvel comic stuff, right? Like, are we going to be adversaries or are we going to fight on the same side? Hmm. And I feel like now we fight on the same side mm. a lot more often. I mean, it's interesting the way you put that. It's actually even inside of a marriage, you know, the way that you can resolve troubled times. When my husband and I are, you know, arguing a lot, we'll sometimes, you know, have a big talk. And it, and it really does come to that. It's like, why are we against each other? Let's remember we're, we're on the same team. Mm -hmm. yeah. And it's amazing, like, what that shift can do in terms of really changing a relationship. Yeah. And I mean, you know, we we're kind of on cloud nine reading this letter until we ran smack into the... <laughs> The, the problem is he's engaged. Yeah, that's a pretty big one, right? Mm -hmm. But here's the thing. I think you still feel a very intimate bond with someone you thought you were going to spend the rest of your life with, and you certainly feel it with someone that you've had children with. Yeah. 
And so here's this woman who spent 30 years with a man who raised a family with him. Right. Of course, she's going to feel this bond with him. Yeah. And I was really, really struck reading her story, how amazing it was that she was able to get to this place of forgiveness, mm-hmm. yeah. that she was able to get to this place of compassion and grace and that he was able to give exactly the kind of apology we all dream that yeah. the person who has hurt us the most would give. Yeah, it's powerful. And one of the questions I have for you, as much as I'm kind of rooting, I have to say, again, the romantic in me is like, oh, I hope he breaks up with his fiance so that they can get back. <laughs> but, you know, I also know the power of nostalgia, that sometimes because that forgiveness and that grace that she's found feels so beautiful and they are remembering the good times yeah. that you know it, it, it's a very compelling thing and it doesn't necessarily mean that that's going to sustain them going forward in their new lives. Oh my god. Were well, you yeah. afraid of that at all that you were sort of just being nostalgic when you fell in love with your husband again? Yeah, I was. I I was. I was like, oh god, am I like just kind of you know falling back into something that I know went wrong? I think it helped for us that I felt we really did have closure. And I remember a conversation where he said to me, "I know I have to let you go," and that once we really felt like okay, that marriage is a thing of the past and that relationship is a thing of the past, that then I could understand that whatever came next would be new and would be different and it wouldn't be a retreat. And, uh, you know, when people say, oh, you're back together, I kind of like, it would bristle me a little because I would think I'm not back. Like I'm trying to be moving forward in my life. It just happens. Right. I'm moving forward with this person. But, I, you know, whenever I, I read the letters that people send to Dear Sugar, I listen to the podcast, I always think, read it back to me. And so when I read it back to this woman, here's what I would say. You were married for 30 years and you say that half of that was bad. 15 years of your life was not good. And I completely believe, because I have experienced it, that people change. And I completely believe that you and this man are in very different places and how amazing it is that you have that maturity now and that you have this space in your lives that you can really look at each other freshly and you can look at each other released from the pain. But then as I read a little further on and I see totally confused as this woman who talks about how they are secretly exchanging messages when he's in the beach house out of respect for her. And I thought, totally confused. That doesn't sound like you talking. Mm -hmm. I don't believe that this woman who has been through so much and knows what it's like intimately to be hurt in love and to be hurt specifically by this man Mm -hmm. believes that what they are doing and what he is doing is being respectful to the woman that he has said he's going to marry. Correct. Yeah. She deserves what we all deserve and what, by the way, her ex-husband's fiancé deserves. Yeah, thank you. Which is somebody who is all in. Right. And this guy has not made his choice. Yeah. And to say, like, I've never stopped loving you while you're engaged to somebody else. I mean, I got to say, if my fiancé said that to another woman, I would not be his fiancé for much longer. Right. No, I, I I really so appreciate how you're kind of you know smearing the the Vaseline of nostalgia <laughs> off the lens here, no, in in a very particular way because totally confused. You know, I hope you've been listening to what Mary Beth has been saying. 
among the things that really differentiate your two stories, the first thing is that your ex, when you guys were breaking up, acknowledged what was happening and why it was happening, at least to the extent that he could. He said, I need to let you go. I need to let this go. That is not how your marriage ended totally confused. It ended with him being hurt, retreating into silence for a large number of years, and then suddenly coming back into your life. And as much as we can agree that it's beautiful that he apologized in a specific way and expressed that regret, that is separate and apart from what Mary Beth has said, which is she needed to hear something, not about the past and the regrets of the past and apologies, but something about how the future was going to go, the contract that was going to be redrawn. And then, assuming that your husband disentangles himself from his fiancée, which means hurting another woman, you're not going to then suddenly leap into a marriage. You should do, I think, what Mary Beth did with her ex, now current husband, which is develop a friendship and see if you guys can consciously choose one another. You know, the thing that I also get from her that I really have hope for and that I, I identify with is when you get to that point of forgiveness, sometimes the last thing left are these embers of this love, of this old love that you used to have. Mm. And I think maybe what's happened for her now is the smoke has cleared around all of these other really sad, difficult, traumatic things. Yeah. And now she can see again that love that they used to have. Mm. But I don't know if she's looking at a love that they could have in the future. I love that distinction you're drawing because it's really at the heart of it. It's like it's a wonderful thing that you can see again the first half of your marriage where you weren't lonely yeah. And, yeah. and neglected and so forth. But that's very different from saying this guy is now ready. We're ready to think about making another marriage. Yeah, but my hope for her and my honest to God belief is that whatever happens next for her is that to be able to clear herself of that burden of that pain of the past just automatically opens you up to better things, automatically just frees you. And if she's in a place of forgiveness, she is in a place, I think, of strength. And now I, I just have so much hope for her. Yeah, me too. Fantastic. Wow, Mary Beth, you're terrific. <laughs> yeah. what, a, what a pleasure to talk with <laughs> oh you. Oh, my God. Let me, you don't know. It's, it's a, it, I feel so honored to be kind of a, a deputy sugar for a day. <laughs> yeah. <pretty> great. <laughs> We well, we're gonna send you a little badge that that is a little pin that says Deputy Sugar. You get to walk around shaking people down for their crises, for their emotions. All right, Mary Beth, thank you so much. Thank you, guys. Bye. 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 It's always powerful. One of my favorite things about asking the various guests onto the show is so often they can tell stories that really speak directly to the experiences of the letter writers. Oh, and yeah. so the other thing I want to say, totally confused, is please, please write to us and tell us what happened Oh, my God. Next. You, you have to do that. This is like a cliffhanger of a letter. It's a fairy tale and a cliffhanger and a romance and a thriller. I really want to know what happens next in this relationship. Please write to us. The world's clean energy future relies on ancient elements still in the ground. Without mining, there will not be a clean energy transition. But pulling them out of the ground comes at an environmental and human cost. Mining is intrusive, but the results are the building blocks for products that we use every single day. I'm Meghna Chakrabarty. Join me on point for Elements of Energy. 
Mining for a Green Future, five special episodes. Listen and follow On Point wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, Steve. Yes. <laughs> and I got my wish. You did. We I got, all got my wish. wish. She wrote to us, and we're going to get to that in a minute. But first, it's really interesting. You know, every week when it, the new episode goes up, I post a link onto my social media platforms, my Facebook and my Twitter. And when I posted this one, there were really kind of two camps. That huh. There were the people who were like, oh, that is so sweet. That kind of swoony reaction right. that I first had. Right. And then there were these people who were like, no way, you know, he's doing a bad thing. Danger, you know, Will Robinson. Yep. Get, you know, and people who didn't find this romantic at all, this situation, which I thought I thought was kind of interesting. Um, obviously, when we look deeper, this isn't something that we that can be decided, you know, yep. via the, the internet. And so, you know, I'm <laughs> I'm really I'm really eager to to read this letter from. Yeah, but from, well, I should totally say, you, not only were you getting letters, but our inbox at Dear Sugar Radio was overflowing with letters, many of which were. Uh, women in particular telling their own story, their own version of this. It turns out that a Totally Confused was hardly alone, as we say over and over again. So let me read a couple of those that are particularly fascinating. Dear Sugars, I don't want to give you a long and detailed history of my divorce, as my ex-husband is a public figure. Suffice it to say, he was a total narcissistic ass in the context of our marriage and divorce, but a handsome, charismatic, successful narcissistic ass. I'm always going for that sweet spot. It's my favorite kind of narcissistic ass. <laughs> That's right. Charismatic and handsome. I tried hard to make our marriage work for our children, but my life improved drastically once I got over the pain of his ugly, destructive exit. After years of estrangement, followed by years of apology, forgiveness, co-parenting, shared holidays, friendship, and laughter over our shared history, he began to pursue a reconciliation. But here's the thing. Like the woman who wrote to you, he was engaged. And though he would intensely talk about why we should reconcile, how he loved me, and why a second time would be so wonderful, he was engaged. Of course, I did warm to this. He was the love of my life, and he'd hurt me so badly. He told me everything I ever wanted to hear, and yes, my heart softened and even melted, but the fact remained, he stayed engaged. This went on for three years. I finally got into a relationship with someone else to get him to give up and go away Somehow, though he could never believe me when I said we were never going to happen, he respected the claim of another man on me, and he gave up. I'm happy to tell you that through therapy, he finally reckoned with the guilt and self-hatred that kept him in that relationship. He's gone on to marry a terrific woman, but it isn't me. Hmm. Sometimes I'm sad about that. Sometimes I wish I had access to the friendship we had while he was so miserable. We don't. Whatever loneliness drove him to my door again has been assuaged by a good marriage. I know I made the right decision. Despite the sweetness of our friendship, we really didn't belong together as a married couple. And yet, I'm left with a mix of regret and nostalgia where he is concerned. So, to your letter writer, will he come to you with a clear heart and no fiancé? Will he give her up knowing things may or may not work out with you? If he won't, then let him go. Signed, relieved, and a little sad. So she, you know, had a clear yes, okay, but with conditions, I think, which is what we concluded. Well, and I love her clarity on this point about, you know, the power of nostalgia is, is mighty, especially if, I, I'm kind of a sentimentalist in that mm-hmm. way. I, I, I noticed, mean, yes. Nostalgia has a big pull on me, but I do find that if I can just do like this letter writer just sort of alluded to, it's like, okay, nostalgia is there, mm-hmm. it's real, 
It's a feeling, and it shouldn't be the thing that that dis, that makes your decisions for you. That's right. That's right. And it's fascinating because, I mean, nostalgia is a reminder of the love that you had in the past, you know, yeah. and, and that's good. You should honor it. You just shouldn't get mired in it, mm-hmm. right? Here's a variation, actually. We got a few of these sorts of letters as well. Dear Sugars, I wanted to send my deepest gratitude for this episode. I've recently undergone a very similar situation as the one here, except I was the other woman. My partner of two years had been separated from his wife for three after an 11-year marriage that ended after she had an affair. We had a house together, had many plans for the future together, and supported each other financially. On Christmas, he came to me with the news that his ex-wife expressed the fact that she wanted to work on things and that that is what he felt like he needed to do. It's now June, and although I have moved out of town, rebuilt a life, and tried after being blindsided by this situation, he still contacts me regularly saying he's confused and heartbroken and still unsure of his choice. My only advice to totally confused would be this. If you do start to renew this marriage, be aware that the man you were married to is also sharing his heart with another woman now and To try and build a relationship with someone who is currently grieving the loss of a relationship is not an easy task. It would be wise for the both of them to wait to begin again until his heart is fully open. Thank you for being one of the only sources of comfort and advice I've had while going through this triangular roller coaster signed Jaded by Love. You know, when when it's hard. When I listen to this, I realize in my own past and in so many of the letters we read how often... Women, but men especially, in a sense, mire women in their own ambivalence. They say, well, gee, you know, I want to have that option, so I'm going to woo, essentially, make myself emotionally available to two people at once. Mm -hmm. And it's very seductive because, obviously, we want to believe that we're going to be the one who gets chosen. Mm -hmm. That's That's always how our fairy tales end. Yeah. So the time has come. Drum roll, please. Yes. I'm going to read the email that we received from the woman who signed herself totally confused. All right. But let's pause a moment to guess the outcome. Yeah. What What did you think was going to happen? I thought that this woman sounded grounded enough that she would, well, this is maybe what I wished, you know, that she would realize that, that he's not really available, that it is a kind of nostalgic fantasy and... She would essentially say, no deal unless you your heart is fully open. Mm-hmm. What do you think? I think, and it's interesting, you know, we answer these questions yeah. and then we go away and we, we they stay with me, right? Oh, yeah, I, I yeah, mean, yeah. I reflect upon what, what I think. And really what, what came to me pretty clearly is I think that this sort of re- reunion or this rekindling is not about them wanting or needing to re- actually have another relationship reunite or get back together i think it's about closure and i think that this is often what happens is that you need to go back and essentially revisit the beauty that was that love you shared and to make amends and 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 to even if it seems like what you're trying to decide is should we get back together or not what you're really doing is closing a relationship right and i i had this own experience in in my life I, you know, I, I was divorced, you know, loved my ex-husband, but went, moved on and fell in love with Brian, who's now my husband. Mm-hmm. And we'd been together a couple of years when one day I called my ex-husband. And during that period of our lives, we would maybe just talk two or three times a year. We were wanting to stay connected, even though we were divorced. And we got 
in this conversation that was really strange and sad and interesting. I was very much in love with Brian. You know, by that point in my life, I was thinking like, okay, I think this is going to be my my next husband. This is going to be my partner. Yeah. But I did have to have the conversation with with my ex husband. We we sort of went back in time and we said, do we still love each other? You know, like what if we did get back together now after yeah. after we've had a few years apart and we've both grown, we've right. both uh, learned new things, and it was really fascinating. I I don't think either of us like actually wanted to get back together but we but it was on the table it was right. a part of the discussion yeah, yeah yeah and it had to do with what ended up actually being the final chapter in at least that marriage mm-hmm. and what we were really doing is it was about nostalgia it was also about closing the door mm-hmm. and i my my sense is that's what totally confused is doing with her ex-husband interesting all right so well, let me read yeah, the letter let's find out dear sugars After I sent in my letter, I forgot all about it and was surprised to hear your response. Soon after I sent my letter, there were two big family events that involved the whole family together, including my ex and his fiancée, the wedding and our middle son's graduation. During this time, we continued to talk and keep the conversation open about the possibility that we might reconcile. My ex-husband's fiancée didn't know this was going on. At our son's graduation, I was distant and uncomfortable with both of them because I felt my behavior was in conflict with my most basic credo as a person, which is to live by the golden rule. I knew I could no longer be a party to what was emotional infidelity. Two weeks passed following the graduation with no communication from my ex-husband, although he had promised to, quote, decide soon. Mm. The cathartic experience of listening to Cheryl, Steve, and Mary Beth gave me the push to contact my ex-husband, and together, we ended the situation. We talked on the phone, and we were able to agree that, yes, there is love between us, but we have little in common by way of interests, and that's an issue, Mm -hmm. not to mention that he's engaged. Yes, another issue. (laughs) That's right. Following our conversation, which was painful and stilted, I texted him and asked him to tell his fiancée that I wanted to apologize for my standoffishness, but that it was awkward for me and that it will get easier over time. Ten minutes later, he called me back. He had called her as soon as we hung up, and he told her everything. By having closure, it was safe for him to come clean with her. She said she guessed about our feelings for each other, and she was very glad he told her, and that she understands. It was important for my ex-husband to know that I do not regret that any of this happened. I think that what the sugars said is true. Perhaps the rekindling of our relationship was the reemergence of our original love, not a love that would go forward. It was important for us to tell each other that there are no regrets and that we're glad we experienced this beautiful and wrenching experience of reconnecting. During the past few weeks, I've been on several dates, nothing too interesting yet, but I'm getting out there. I've been seeing a therapist again to get some help in navigating this emotional adventure. Thank you, Sugars, Cheryl, Steve, and Deputy Sugar Mary Beth, You really did help me, and it felt good to know that complete strangers were wishing me the best. I believe the introduction to the show when Cheryl says that the universe has good news for the lost, lonely, and the heartsick. I do believe what Mary Beth said. I deserve a love that's all in. Mm. Signed, no longer totally confused. Gaw! There turn we are. It, took that frown, turn it upside down. Well, you know, I love this conception you you offered of, of closure. You know, we think of closure, you know, sort of a close the door on that era. I never mm-hmm. look at it again. It's not that. Mm-mm. It's something more like the acceptance that there was a love. 
that lives in the past that was crucial, important, sustaining, part of what makes you the person you are, but that it remains in the past and Mm -hmm. doesn't confuse what is, for this woman, really a very bright present and future. She seems like she's doing great. And for that matter, her ex seems like he's doing great as well. Mm -hmm. I think that we always carry those you know, what we learned in those past relationships forward. Mm-hmm. So I think the future looks bright for no longer totally confused and her ex-husband. Mm-hmm. We wish you well. Yeah, we wish you every good thing. Dear Sugar Radio is produced by WBUR in Boston. We're produced and edited by Lisa Tobin. We're recording in Portland, Oregon. Our engineer is Josh Millman of Talkback Sound and Visual. Our theme music is by the Portland band Wonderly. Please listen and subscribe on iTunes. And if you like the show, please consider leaving a review, an iTunes review. Those are very helpful. And please, most of all, most importantly, write to us at dearsugarradio at gmail.com. And you can also follow us on Twitter at dearsugarradio. And... We'll be back next week with all new episodes. 